we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, somebody. High five two people. Tell them it's good to be at the hill. somebody it's good to be at the hill amen man god is on the move come on jesus on the main line tell him what you want come on somebody anybody remember that song oh that's old school right there come on if you're in if you've got your by open your bibles or turn them on to mark chapter five today it's good to see all you all Brave in the summertime to come be with us in the presence of God. Amen. Missed you guys too. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, Mark chapter 5. God, I pray that I'd only say the things that you want me to say, Father. And when it's time to stop, I'd stop. And God, our heart is to glorify you in all that we do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, somebody. If you've got a Mark chapter 5, let's, let's read this. Uh, look at your neighbor before I start and tell him my title is Hello from the Other Side. Hello from the other side. If I had some Adele in me, I'd try to sing it, but I don't. Where's Fable at? <laughs> Mark chapter 5. Here's what it says. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the, con to the country of the Gerasenes. Man, wow, what a, what a, and we're going to get more into this, but before I go any further, I love this first verse of the Mark chapter 5. It is so good, guys. So Jesus is on one side of the sea, right? And, and on one side of the sea, uh, life is good. On one side of the sea, he, he's preaching to multitudes. On one side of the sea, uh, people are coming and they're calling his name and he's healing the sick and he, he cast a demon out of a guy. And on one side of the sea, Life is really, it's all put together. Come on, somebody. On one side of the sea, everything seems to be going really, 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 really well. On one side of the sea, guys, on, on one side, uh, the ministry that Jesus was doing really was the kind of ministry that everybody would want. On one, he's on one side of the sea, and everything seems to be perfect. Everything is put together really, really well. On one side of the sea, really, life is about. Have you ever been there where it feels like everything is going really well? Have you have you been there? He everything is going really well, and he's preaching and and he's teaching and he's doing what Jesus does. And in the process of it, y'all, he turns and he looks to his disciples and he says, "Hey, y'all, we can go to the other side." And I know the disciples were like, "What?" Like, they're looking around, they're like, Jesus, all these people, we're going to leave them. And Jesus like, yeah, we're going to go to the other side. And I was thinking about that, how often God calls us out of a comfortable place into somewhere else. And it's hard for us, it's hard for a lot of us, because, see, we like where we're at when we're comfortable, Amen. Amen? Like we like where we're at when life is all, all, all good and it's, it's a better road. We're, we like that. It's very comfortable. And Jesus, God was speaking to Jesus, and he's like, listen, son, I know this is good, but I know it's good, but I have something for you. And for you to walk in the fullness of what I have, you've got to step where I show you to step. Come on, somebody. You've got to go where I show you to go. So there's times in your life, even when everything is comfortable, that God will lead you out of comfort to the other side. He's over there and life is good. He looks at the disciples and says, guys, 
we got to go to the other side of the sea. There's something on the other side that we got to go check out. So they look at him and they're like, well, you're the son of God. <laughs> I don't, it don't make sense to me. Now, I know you guys, when God tells you to do stuff, it always makes sense. But for me, a lot of times I'm like, well, God, that doesn't make any sense at all. Do you guys ever argue with God? I didn't think so. I do all the time. Come on, somebody. I'm like, well, I trust you. You're God. but you know. So they, they tell him, they're like, we got to go to the other side of the sea. We got to go to the other side. So they get in this boat, and they set sail. Now, I don't want to go through all of Mark 4, but what happened as they were on their way to the other side? The storm rage, right? The storm starts raging, and where, where's, where's Jesus? He's sleeping in the middle of the storm, right? And I love this because they're like, they're, they're bailing water out with buckets, and they look at Jesus, and they're like, don't you care that we're going to die? Don't you care that the, the boat is filling up with water, and we're not going to make it? Don't you care that we're going to drown out here, Jesus? I know you all never do that. Jesus, don't you care that I'm about, to, I'm about to hurt my husband? If you don't do something, come on, somebody. Don't you care? Look at my children. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Don't you care? Look at this mess that I'm in. Don't you care? That's what they're saying. Jesus, don't you care? Jesus is sleeping in the middle of the storm. Anybody else sleep through a storm? I, I, I have no trouble. My wife woke me up one day. Babe, you got to get up. There's a tornado coming for the house. I said, I said, baby, there's purpose on our life. I'm going, I'm staying in bed. She said, let's just go to the basement and you can sleep. I said, baby, there's purpose. Come on, somebody, on our lives. We can't go out like this. God's got a call, and I'm being all preacher. We've got an anointing. God's got a plan for us. I'm just going to sleep right here. And then <laughs> thunder, boom. And it threw the trampoline on the second story outside my bed. And I went, let's go, let's go downstairs. <laughs> Woo, I was all spiritual till it got real. Luckily, y'all never liked that. Oh, we tough. We got all the right things to stay till the storm hits our house. Till it's, come on, somebody. Till it's our boat in the middle of the sea and the thunder's banging and the lightning's striking and the waves are... We got it all together till we feel like it's our boat that's going to sink and we're crying out, Jesus, don't you even care? He wakes up. <sighs> what? <laughs> don't you care we're going to die? <sighs> Walks out on the bow of the boat. He says, peace, be still. I like to say it like this. He went, shh. Sleeping. <laughs> and the storm, the storm quit, the thunder quit, the wind quit. He looked at the disciples. And he said, you have little faith. Now, I love this. And I've talked on this, and I'm not going to re-preach all this. But I love this because he said they had no faith. Now, why would Jesus have said that? Now, we often would say, well, because they, they should have calmed the storm. But see, the reality is, guys, Jesus is our blueprint of how we can live our life. He's not a good example. He's a blueprint. There's a difference. Because see, I could, I, could give our, I could give Sonny and our builders in the house an example of what I want my house to look like, and it could come out looking totally different. But if I give them a blueprint, my God in heaven, if I give them a blueprint and it looks different when it's said and done, somebody's going somebody's gonna to have to deal with Megan Norman in that mess. Come on, somebody. 
somebody's going to have to deal with some stuff if you change the blueprint. So I love this. They didn't, they didn't know. They've never read, they hadn't read the blueprint that they were able to calm the storm yet. That wasn't in their wheelhouse of knowledge and faith. So he wasn't saying, you ain't got no faith. You should have calmed the storm. He wasn't saying that. He was saying, you ain't got no faith. Why? Why, Jesus? Because you allowed the present storm you were in to detour your faith from where I called you to go. You allowed your present circumstance to override what I've said about your life. You believed what you saw, what you felt, what you heard. You believed the enemy's lie over my truth. He said, I'm struggling. I'm not struggling with you, but I'm, I'm, I'm a little, little, I'm fascinated, Jesus, not frustrated, fascinated by you, disciples, that you didn't trust when I said you'd make it to the other side. See, when the storm's raging, and I'm like, God, don't you care? I come back to this place, and I'm like, but you called me to do it. Come on, somebody. You, I didn't ask to go to the other side. You told me to go to the other side. And if you told me to go, I can rest assured it doesn't matter. If It, it doesn't matter what happens on the in-between. I'm going to make it to that thing, not because I want it, but because you said it. At your word, oh God, be it unto me. They arrive on the other. I'm sorry. Um, that was loud. I'm sorry. I, I, I yell. He's okay. It's me. I'm loud. My, I get home, and when I walk in the door, I have a rule. I never walk in the house on the cell phone so that when I walk in, I'm offering my kids and wife. I walk in, and she'll go, babe, don't wake the baby. <laughs> if you wake him, I swear. <laughs> Come on, so I apologize. <laughs> he gets on the seashore. Go, go to verse 2. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, now that seems pretty insignificant. He's arrived at the destination. When you arrive at your destination, what do you do? Yeah. Get out. Yeah, it's, I know it's real, it's, it's real revelation. But I feel like a lot of us have arrived to the place that God's called us to go, but we're chilling in the back of the boat. We're still in the boat, and God's going, what are you doing in the boat still? And we're like, well, God, I, you know, I, I, this, I left what was comfortable, and the storm scared me, but I made it through it, and I'm at this place. And the last thing I have to do is step onto what you've called me to step onto. But for whatever reason, I just haven't done it yet. Now, it doesn't say that time had passed, but it says, and when Jesus had stepped out of the boat. I wonder how many of us. We're so close to doing what he's called us to do, but we're still in the boat. We're still in the boat. We've yet to take that step of faith and, and step out of, of our comfort zone, step out of what makes, I wonder why. I think a lot of us, we, we leave the, the one side to go to the other side. We get through the storm and we land at the place of destination. And really the, the last step, which often should be the easiest, takes us the longest to make. How many of us? We're a step away from destiny. We're a step away from promise. And yet both feet are in the boat. Got our life jacket on. Like Tommy Boy in the movie. I'm, I'm reading this and I'm like, God, forgive me for when I don't step out. 
Forgive me for those times. See, I think that maybe, maybe, you, maybe the disciples and maybe you and maybe me and I don't know, it wasn't Jesus, but maybe us, we, we've made it from the one side through the storm and we've landed on this other side. And for whatever reason, we're afraid of that last step because at the last place, I ministered to hundreds and thousands. But what if this place, that doesn't happen? What if, what if this time it doesn't work the way it was supposed to work and I feel you're pulling me this way and I've made all the difficult motion, I've made all the difficult progress, but I've got to this place in my life and what if it doesn't work and as long as I'm in the boat, I can always go back. Come on, somebody. I feel like some of us are still in the boat and when Jesus stepped out when he stepped out of the boat he positioned himself for the next move of god on his life when he stepped out of the boat he found purpose see as we step out come on somebody peter stepped out of the boat onto onto a, a, a storm that was raging he stepped out of the boat and he walked on top of that thing Moses parts the waters he steps out what should be muddy ground puts his foot down and it's dry ground Joshua he steps out and the same thing they part the Jordan River he steps out and the, the muddy ground became dry see something happens when, when our faith when we step in faith it activates the fullness of God and as we step into what God says to do all ground even sinking ground becomes firm come on somebody even the things that all the, when he stepped all, I mean, miraculous begin to happen as they stepped in faith. Jesus stepped out of the boat. It's time to get out of the boat today. What's that next word? Immediately, immediately. I looked it up because I thought it was a funny Greek word. I thought it was funny. It means euthos or euthos. That's the Greek. Guess what it means? It means immediately. <laughs> Me straight away, right now. I love it. Mark, Paul is, not Paul, Peter is recanting the gospel according to Peter, what he witnessed to Mark, and Mark is scribing it. I think this is fascinating. Mark uses this word euthos a ton in his gospel. Why? Like, I, I read this account in other gospels, and guess what? Immediately, he's not in there. See, Mark, it was so important for Mark to put this word. It's mentioned eight times in Mark chapter 1. And, and that, not that many, but that many again in the next couple chapters. It was so essential as Mark was writing the gospel for us to understand that delayed obedience is disobedience. He's looking for it right now. I ain't got time. Anybody have pokey kids that are just slow? That's my son, Jace Dallas. I'm like, Jace, we got to leave. We're going to be late. Someone says, you're always late. Shut up. Leave me alone. Just because Jace. Jace, we're going to be late. And Jace is like, okay. Like, we got to roll, son. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, if you don't move faster, I'm going to spank you for fun. Come on, somebody. He just... Eats his cereal, so he gets it from Megan's side. Come on, it's the Craver side. Y'all know me. There ain't a, there ain't a steel bone in my body. Come on, somebody. I love this because God's like, there's not time. There's not time for you to be delayed in your obedience. 
When I speak, you act. That's what Jesus did. He's the blueprint. He's the blueprint. Not a good example of the blueprint. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Immediately, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Verse 4 or 3, whatever's next. He lived among the tombs and no one can bind him anymore, not even with chains, with a chain. We'll stop there. Let's go back to 3. Look at what this says. He lived among the tombs and no one can bind him anymore. Isn't it funny that often the people that claim to want to help you hold you down? He's asking for help. And the people that, are ask, that he's asking for help, they, they, they bind him. And they chain him. And I, and I like this because it says he lived among the tombs. Now, when the Bible talks about tombs and a person living among the tombs, it's referring to dead things. Now, have you ever met a normal person that lived in a graveyard? Anybody live in a graveyard? I'm not trying to say you're weird. I'm just saying it's weird. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Like, I'm reading this story, Pastor Clinton. I'm like, what a weird place for the guy to live. And then the Lord began to speak to me, and he's like, but now it may not be a physical graveyard, but, but, but son, there's some areas of your life that aren't producing life. There's some things in your life that you've got some sin struggles, and, and, and you've got some problems, and you've got some insufficiencies, and, and you're living with them just like he was living among the tombs. And, and how that happens is you become all too familiar with them. Listen, what would you do? If at 2 in the morning, a stranger comes inside your house. Now, I can't say that. This is being recorded. Come on, somebody. But I don't disagree. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. But see, what we've done in a lot of areas of our life, and a lot of sin issues, and a lot of struggles that we have, we make a bed for it. And we say, listen, I don't really want you to go to this part of the house, but this room, it's all for you. And matter of fact, I'll make sure no one else even knows you're there. He was living among the tombs. The, 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 the dead things in his life had become all too familiar and all too comfortable. I read that and I'm like, God convict me of the areas that I've allowed to be too comfortable. Help me to strengthen me in those areas that I've allowed to be too comfortable and too casual. Since he lived among the tombs and couldn't no one bind him as much as they tried, they, they couldn't bind him. They couldn't hold him down. Maybe you've got some stuff in your life that you're trying to suppress because you're afraid if, what if, what if someone knows? See, you don't need bound. You need to be freed. Yes. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus came. See, this guy had some areas of his life that he was trying to suppress, and it, it took really an encounter with the Savior to free him from those. But nevertheless, he lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. Next verse. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but, but he, I'm just wanting to know, when you see a dude break chains, if he's that tough, and matter of fact, one translation says he runs around naked all the time. Who's trying to tie that guy up? I'm just, I, that's not even in my sermon. I just think that's crazy. That's Pastor Clinton's job if you're here. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Randy, that's your department, okay, bro? Uh, <laughs> I'm re I just think it's crazy. Anyhow, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue them. 
where we could talk about how no one can do what Jesus did. But we ain't, we're not going to go there, but that might be a good chance to go. Thank you, Father. Verse 5. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. I love this. Night and day. Night and day. All day long, all night long, he's crying out. All day long, all night long, he's saying, God, I need help. Now, he may not be saying a word, but his heart is crying out. I don't know what to do in this situation. My work, God is stressing me out more than I can handle. I don't know what to do. Day and night, he's crying out. Night and day, he's crying out. All day long. Maybe you're not there, but someone here is there. Where there's so much going on on the inside of you and the turmoil in your life is so hot and it's so heavy. You just don't know what to do. And you find yourself saying, God, I just wish this would leave. God, I just wish this would leave. God, I just wish I had a moment of peace. Matter of fact, it says that he would cry out in the tombs. That makes sense, right? The low places, the dead places. But this next phrase Grant, it really messed with me. And on the mountains. Now that jacked with me. Because see, the mountaintop should be a good thing. The mountaintop should be a place of jubilee. The mountaintop, like, like whenever you say, when people are like, how are you? You're like, I'm on top of the world. I'm on top of the mountain. Like everything is good. Like that should be a good place. And it's showing us in this scripture. It doesn't matter if you're in the worst time of your life, uh, the way it looks the worst time of your life, or what seems to be the best time of your life. You can still have some real issues and be in need of a real savior. See, the problem is the view from the tombs on top of the mountain, looks like that guy has no problem. And some of us in our tombs today, we're looking at the person on Facebook and on Instagram and we're swiping and we're scrolling and we're looking at their life and saying, man, if I had that job, my life would be put together. Man, if I had that kind of money, my life. Man, if I was married to someone like that. Man, if my relationship was like that, then I would be happy. Man, if I could just be like that person. And you're just viewing their highlight reel from down here, from the, from the pit of your pain, you're viewing someone, not from their point of view, but you're viewing them from the perspective of your pain. And you see them and you think, if I had that, my pain would go away. Can I tell you that pain has nothing to do with location? Because if you're in the tomb or on the mountain, he said the moments of his life, when he was in the tomb, he was crying out, God, I need help. There's more for me than this. But the moments that he was on top of the mountain and it looked like life was great, he was crying out, God, I need help. There's more than this. God, I, 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 it looks like my life is together, but you've called me to more than this. I feel like I should have better, better relationship. I don't know what my problem is, God, but whether he's in the tomb or whether he's on the mountain, he's crying out all the same. See, I think sometimes we think the solution to our problem would be a new location. The solution to your problem will always be a savior. He's always the solution. He's the blueprint. Now, I'm not saying don't change locations because Jesus went from the one side to the other side. But I'm saying your problem isn't tied to the location. 
Because this guy, in the tombs or in the mountains, it didn't matter. It didn't matter which place he was in. He was crying out and cutting himself with stones. When you see stones, not all the time, but oftentimes, it's in reference to the law. 1 Corinthians 15, 56 through 58, I love it. It says, the strength of sin is law. Right? The strength of sin is law. 58 says, but thanks be to God, we have victory through Christ Jesus. Yeah, amen. I love, I love this because he knew how jacked up he was when he compared himself to the 613 things he had to do or couldn't do every day of his life. And when he compared himself to that, he was like, I am an absolute mess. Now, the, the, and it says in uh, Romans that the law was a tutor. It was a good thing. But God gives a lot of good things that we pervert. Come on, somebody. Right? God gives a lot of good things that in the process man gets, we get a hold of and we pervert to make it our own. I heard someone say today um, that God made man in his image and likeness and then man returned the favor. Meaning we begin to make God how we think he should look versus how he is. He, he, he looks at himself and he's like, I am a mess. And I compare myself to what I should be. I'm a mess. I love that Paul says, I don't do the things I want to do. And I do the things that I don't want to do. I'm a mess. I'm a mess. And I need a savior. He's crying out. Next verse. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And when he saw Jesus from a long ways away, he ran and fell down before him. And when, are you getting it? And when he saw Jesus a long way away, he ran and, and ran down before him. And I get that, but I struggle with that. Because verse 2 says, Jesus stepped out of the boat and immediately... The man is living in the tombs and he's crying in the tombs and crying on the mountain. He's going through hell on earth inside his, inside his heart because he often, the pain that we face inside is far greater than the pain and the struggles we face on the outside. He's in this place and he's saying, God, I just need help. God, if you're real, I need someone to come to my aid. God, if you're real, I need someone to bring me hope. God, if you're real, I need someone to bring me peace. And there was no one. But on the other side of the sea, Jesus was preaching to the multitudes. And he stops and he looks at his disciples. He said, we got to go to the other side. And they're like, Jesus, are you seeing this? This is good. He said, I know. But I hear someone crying out, and the word says, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It says he left the 99 for the sake of the one. He's viewing the multitudes, and he says, I see you, I hear you, I feel you, but someone's calling me from the other side. I'll go through the storm. I'll go across the 45 miles of lake. I'll do what I got to do to get to that other side because someone needs to taste and see that I am good. We have to go. Gets in the boat. The storm rages. The sun comes out and he's sailing close 
to the shoreline. How would it be afar off? Except for he was on the mountain and he saw him in a boat. And he started running. You know what garrisons means? Garrisons literally, the, the Greek there, means a stranger drawing near. God, I need help. God, I don't know what to do. God, I'm struggling. God, I'm hurting. God, I'm, I'm anxious. God, my marriage feels like it's falling apart. God, I, I don't have enough bills or I got too enough of money to pay my bills. God, you're, you, I want to be used more by you. God, my life's good, but I feel a greater calling to impact the world. He's got a host. You've got a host of things you're crying out for. But the word says before you even ask, he knows what you need. I'm saying God preemptively answered his prayer. Get in the boat, Jesus. Someone's going to be calling. Jesus gets in the boat. They sail through the storm. They get into the, they get past the storm. The sun comes out. This guy's crying out. He said, God, could you send someone my way? God, could someone come to me? God, could you send someone? And in a distance, he sees a stranger in a boat. That's what it says, isn't it? Garrisons is a stranger drawing near. He sees a stranger. Worship, come help me. He sees a stranger drawing near. But it wasn't a stranger. It was a savior. From a long way away, he saw a person drawing near, but it wasn't a person, it was peace. From a long way away, he saw what he thought was help drawing near, but it wasn't just help, it was hope. And it says that when he saw, he didn't know who he was in the flesh, but when he saw him, he began to run toward Jesus. And the word says, if you draw near to him, he says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near unto you. So you may think that you're running, but he crossed the storm for you. Come on, somebody. You may feel like you ain't got another energy to take another step can I tell you he came running he came looking he came searching for you come on somebody is anyone else out of breath <laughs> this man this aching man is crying out God I need help and a stranger it was a savior, a stranger that was a savior came looking for him. Now it's interesting, Mark's account, almost, probably more to the story, but Mark's account almost happens like this. He leaves the multitudes through the storm, steps out of the boat, casts the demon out of the guy into the pigs, 2,000 pigs run into the ocean and drown themselves. They had a big barbecue. I'm just kidding, they were Jews, they didn't have a barbecue. And then Jesus looks at the guy and the guy says, I want to follow you. Can I come with you? And Jesus tells him the same, not the same, but the same thing he told the disciples. I have to go. I have to go. Because see, he's saying to the guy, if you come with me, the region of the Gerasenes, won't, they won't be impacted by what I've done. So he says, right now, stay here and show them what I've done in your life. Tell someone what he's done. Tell someone what he's done. Jesus gets back in the boat and sails back to the other side where multitudes meet him. I need you to understand the fullness of this story. Jesus is preaching to multitudes. And he says, we have to go on intermission right now. Because someone a day and a half away, they need me. 
their relationship, their future relationship, it needs me. Their children, it needs me. Their business, it needs me. We're going to go on intermission. It's almost as if Jesus, in, in a moment, detoured his ministry for the sake of one who would... But it's all, God is, he's too, he's too good of a builder. So he detoured his ministry for the sake of one who would reach a region. Amen. See, you could be the one. You could be the one that could reach a region. You could be the one that, that reaches your job. You could be the one. I love this. He detoured. I feel like God is telling me today that he's detoured some stuff for you to be here in this moment. And he's calling out and he's crying out to you. Come on, somebody. Because you've been crying to him saying, God, I need help. God, I need hope. God, I need peace. God, I need joy. God, I need strength. God, I need courage. He's crying out. And I say, if you look in the distance, a stranger, a savior is drawn near. A person, but peace is drawn near. Hope is drawn near. Help is drawn near I say if you've been calling out to him if you'll open your eyes and look up unto the hills whence your help comes from he's drawn near he's drawn near come nigh near unto him and he will come near unto you God we're gonna sing this song we're not afraid we're gonna sing this song Pastor Clinton's going to give an invitation and we're going to come near to you. Those of us that are aching and hurting, we're drawn near today. We're drawn near today saying, have your way in and through my life. I don't know what you're going through. You may look like to the world that you're on the mountain, but you've got some stuff buried in a tomb. Today he came to bring life to that thing. Today he came to bring hope to some people and joy to some people and peace to some people and salvation to some people. He's afar off, but he's drawn near. Would you meet him today?
reminder that no matter where you are in the tombs or on the mountain I'm in the valley or at the best part in the in the middle of the mess or in the perfect place of peace no matter if you're here today or if you're watching online next week or if you're in a different one of our locations it doesn't matter where you are that God stops everything to meet you if we call to him. This morning, nobody looking around. If God has specifically spoke to your heart this morning about where you are and reaching out to him, and he wants to meet you, would you just lift your hand so that we could agree with you this morning for breakthrough, for miracle. Ready, one, two, three, don't wait. There's others already. Can we keep them high as I pray? Let's proclaim victory. Let's bind up the attacks of all the stuff that's around us from the enemy. And let's proclaim that Jesus is gonna shine through and meet you and bring you through. Father, we thank you, God. Lord, that you never leave us nor forsake us. God, you're with us through the middle. You're with us when we're, when we're at our worst. And God, we need your help. God, I pray for those today that have lifted their hands. Lord, would you help them step out of the boat and place their foot on dry ground where it should be mud. Place their, their faith in you when it feels like it's all on us. God, as we've lifted our hands as a declaration to say, you are all that we seek. You're all that we're after. God, that we want to meet you here today. We want to meet you in the middle of our living room. We want to meet you at every portion of our lives. Thank you, Father, for making it so. This morning, if you're here, nobody looking around, and if you, have, if you don't know who Jesus is, 
Or maybe you have known him in the past and have fallen away and he's calling you back this morning. Maybe that was your heartstring this morning. Maybe God is, is, is opening a door for you to know him again as a personal savior. Could you lift your hands on the count of three? Ready, one, don't miss your chance. Two, we've got people here for you. Three, raise your hand right where you are. Father, thank you for a word today straight from you. Wow, God, what a reminder of the fact that you leave thousands to chase me. My God, when I don't deserve it, you still chase after me. God, help us seek you in every situation. Help us have courage to stand in the middle of faith and declare it boldly to everyone we meet. Father, we thank you for it. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.